is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a good week so far. If you didn't know, I've got a new record out with the one and only Hilo. Um, it's out on Filth on Acid. It's called Check. Please go and listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, your local streaming platform. Or if you want to go and buy it, um, head over to Beatport. And I think it's doing pretty well in the techno charts. So I'd absolutely love it if you went and bought it and try and get it higher. Um, that's a nice kind of lead way to this podcast. Uh I have Hilo, a.k.a. Oliver Heldens, on. Also, sorry if I mess this pronunciation up, dude. Uh, Renier Zonenfeld, um, who is the owner of Filth on Acid, which is the record label that Czech came out on. Also, he's a massive techno DJ. Uh, it was really nice to get both these guys on the podcast. Uh, we had a really nice conversation. Um, learned a lot about their history and kind of how things started for them um spoke just it was just a great conversation so i'm gonna uh leave it at that and let's get listening uh without further ado hilo and rainy zonefield what's going on lads how's it going yeah what's up i'm good i'm good what about you um ollie rainy great to great to meet you guys um Ollie, I remember meeting you actually at um, We Are Festival. I think it was We Are Festival. No, well, I, think, I think we first met on a on a boat, um, the cruise thing from the Medicine boat party. Uh, but that was a really vague trip. Are you sure it wasn't uh, Holy Ship? No, no, it wasn't Holy Ship. Because I didn't Mad play Mad Decent. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I didn't. I met you there. Oh, I, I thought I met you there. <laughs> oh, but now I think now it, it all makes sense because I met a guy who looked exactly like you, with like like same beard. Was it Kill Frenzy? Uh maybe. Yeah. Kill Frenzy. So Kill Frenzy used to look like we used to look very similar, and everyone uh, would everyone would literally like they wouldn't have a clue who was who, and he'd get oh are you Will Clark and then I'd get oh are you Kill Frenzy. But I think the first, really? yeah, I think the first time I met you was in a festival in London. Yeah, we are fe- we are festival or, or, or Southwest. I think it was Southwest Four. Actually, yes, SW Four. SW Four. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, I, I did remember that. I, 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 I played there. It was, it was actually like, like pretty sick because I, I did. I, I hosted a, a Hell Deep stage there, and I had uh, Arm of Van Helden and mm. and, and uh, Low Stepper, Idris Elba, Purple Disco Machine, Nora on Pure. Uh, it was like the craziest lineup ever. Yeah, it's mad uh, for a hell deep stage. It's and uh, yeah, so yeah, so I, I met you there. But I, I, I back then I thought that I, I, I thought I thought that we had already met. Okay. And, and I actually was like, hey, he's actually <laughs> a lot a lot nicer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kill Frenzy. He's um, he's from Belgium, 
I believe. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah, he's from Belgium. Is that close well, to you? He speaks Dutch. Yeah, he's but, but, then, but then I'm not sure if I met him at, at the boat party. Uh, okay. I did meet someone who, who looked like you, and I thought well, another lookalike. He, he must yeah, have been another lookalike. He must have been really fucking good looking. Anyway, that's all we know. <laughs> Rainer, how's it going, man? Yeah, all good. All good. Thank you. No, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, first of all, we should probably talk about the record that's just come out. Um, check came out on Filth on Acid. Um, if you haven't heard it, then you're living under a rock, but go check it out. Um, this kind of all came from you, Ollie, sending me the record, um, the idea and me kind of finishing it off. And then, yeah, like, I want to talk about the Hilo kind of project and also how the Hilo project kind of came to filth on acid as well and how you guys kind of work on collabs so often and you guys seem to like have a dope friendship um which is nice to see and also like ollie being for, like doing your oliver held and stuff and then Rainer doing your Rainer zonenfeld sorry if i mispronounce your name dude I, oh, it's fine Very I'm good. <laughs> so english and can't speak dutch at all um but it is worlds apart, right? It's completely worlds apart. And I just kind of want to know the kind of vibe on how you two got together to do what you're doing now. Yeah, well, um, I think uh, a year ago, maybe one and a half or something, uh, Oli started sending uh, like tracks for for his high-low alias. It was more uh, techno uh, techno stuff. And uh, it sounds quite quite good and quite interesting. I didn't really expect. I know him from his big hits, you know, the yeah. radio tracks he does with uh, Oliver Heldens. So I was uh, quite surprised to see that in a pleasant way. And at some point, he sent me something that sounds so good. I was like, yeah, maybe we can tweak it a little bit, uh, check it out in the studio and see what comes out. And then I think the first studio session, we made two tracks or something. The Saw of Olympus yeah. and another one. And it turned out uh, yes, it's super nice. We were, we were both very happy with it. And also, uh, working in the studio was really a blast. Uh, Oliver is really a really good producer, and uh, also sort of on the same line as uh, as myself with techno. Mm. So uh, that was uh, yeah, it worked super nice. So basically, every time we go in the studio, we finish uh, a track or so. So uh, it's, it's super cool to work together. Did you guys know each other before yeah. before you were like doing collabs, or obviously you knew of each other, but were you mates beforehand or anything like that? No, I don't no, think we, so. We just knew each other uh, online. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. But it was actually like a, w- w- one, one funny funny thing to mention. Um, uh, like, on Facebook, you, you, you know, there, there are those kind of, like those groups, uh, like, like those kind of um, guess the track groups. Yeah. But there was this, this really big Dutch, uh, it, it was called Raad de Plaat, guess the track IDs, and it was very focused on techno house, like with, with, with only underground stuff. And, and, and I remember with this one time, this, this was already, it was in 2016 or something, but it was someone who, who posted a video uh, of, of me playing at, at Spring Awakening in Chicago, and, and, and I was playing so, some unreleased Hilo thing, with like a pretty fat bass, but then, but then many people in that group, they were this is commercial. This is not. This is not supposed to be in his group. But but back then, Rainier was already making a yeah, like a, a big name for himself, especially in the Netherlands and in, in that in that world. And, and then he he actually replied, "Oh, this actually sounds really good." And then everyone was kind of silent. And then people were like, "Yeah, yeah, it does sound really good." It <laughs> <laughs> was very interesting to see already that. Uh, but but also, I think from from my perspective, uh, I you know I broke through. 
in like 2014 and 15 with uh, yeah with the more future house stuff and mm. like the more kind of very inspired on this UK house deep deep house stuff and uh, I I think I think actually we that's all that's also what, what Ranier and I discovered is that that we have actually more um uh how you say that like uh, over vlakkens like more crossover yeah. yeah, more 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 fans in common than we than we would initially think because mm. because many of, of my fans from 2015, uh, 14, 15, 16, they actually grew up and yeah. they started to listen to techno as well. Uh, so they are now like dire Rainier Zonneveld fans or or, yeah, or fans yeah. or, or fans of like other more underground styles. So 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 that was pretty interesting to see. It's really interesting kind of, that because I've always I've always said that like the more commercial kind of records that kind of do really well on radio and things like that is literally kind of a introduction to the house music. Right. And, and from finding or from listening to, or yeah, from finding commercial records on radio, um, it then kind of puts them into the whole of house music and then eventually they find techno eventually or it might start like in the uk like drum and bass is huge when you're a kid so listening to drum and bass is like the thing and then you slowly start to get into like slower genres of like house music and then you start liking commercial house music and then from commercial house music you then go on to like maybe some like more clubby tech house stuff and then eventually you come across Filth on acid, and you're in the techno world. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a gateway drug, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's important because I think I think people need different entries into the industry. I don't think many people go straight from techno. Rainer, how did you start? Was it literally techno from day one, or was it like where where was dance music introduced to you? Um, yeah, basically in the, in the Netherlands in the nineties, you would have, uh, like a lot of, uh, tracks that are now classics on the radio. Mm. Like, uh, for example, the first rebirth or something would be played on the radio, yeah. which is kind of trans techno mm. and tracks like that. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think I was always listening to a lot of different stuff, mm. like basically literally all genres you can think of. Yeah. There's, if you look far enough, there's always a track you like, you know? Uh, but I think... I really got into techno, at least listening to it, um, uh, via my older brother. Mm-hmm. He had uh, some records from uh, Emmanuel Top, I think when I was 12 or something. Yeah. And uh, I was really like, okay, this is a bit different. Uh, like hardcore, I also like, like the old school hardcore. But then I, re- I really found really interesting music. Uh, my dad used to have like a lot of old vinyls from, uh, for example, Kraftwerk, which is also sort of uh, techno. Yeah. And then from from that, I started listening to other stuff. And uh, basically, I think when I was 16, when I left to study uh, uh, in in Rotterdam, uh, I had a lot more time uh, on hand, and I started to produce uh, daily. Uh, and a friend there br- brought me to a techno party. Uh, I think with Rishi Hartin or something. And I was immediately completely hooked by hearing it in the club and uh, on a big sound system. And from that day, I was really like, I want to make techno. So was techno the first thing you made? Uh, no, no, no. I made, um, yeah, I was already playing around when I was pretty young. With yeah. uh, I got a, a copy of uh, Reason from uh, from an uncle. I think Reason 2 or something. Yeah, classic. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I never read manuals. 
And as a kid of 10 years old to try reason, it was pretty hard. So it, it took me a couple, took me a couple of days to get even the sound out of it. A couple of days. Like, okay. That's, that's pretty quick. Good going for, for two yeah, days. Know, reason. And then, then you get the hang of it and you could program, uh, yeah. uh, uh, melodies and stuff. And, uh, yeah, then I made something, it was electronic, let's say yeah, that, yeah, but like yeah. could be all over the place. It could be like ambient, could be like more hip hop, yeah. maybe some sort of trance thing mm. a bit. Yeah. Maybe a bit sort of old school techno, but, uh, I was just playing around, you know, and I'm really producing techno. I was, yeah, when I was 16. Uh, uh, yeah. That's amazing. Is Gabba still massive in the Netherlands? Yeah. Yeah. It really, I mean, there, there are maybe even dozens of events and festivals that are fully dedicated on, well, in, not just on Gabba, but, but kind of on the harder styles. But uh, yeah, Gabba is still massive here. Where does that come from? But, Although I mean massive, I mean it's, it's definitely a niche, but still yeah, for a niche, it's it's pretty big. I mean, yeah. like techno is a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. But I think also a lot of techno in um, in the Netherlands is also going like you have these super hard techno parties, yeah. uh, uh, but you could almost say that it's like a cover, and they also yeah. play like these old rave tracks or uh, tracks that are inspired by these old rave rave stuff at 150, 160 BPM. <laughs> So it's kind of sort of new chabber thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they have to, like the big parties, but from QDance and uh, IDT organizations, like the super big ones. Mm. I think it's mostly hard style nowadays. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah, more uh, a bit more friendly, a bit more melodic uh, kind of hard music. I prefer the Gabber though. Do you, do you like <laughs> Gabber? Yeah, definitely. Really? Old, old school hardcore and stuff. Yeah. But I think if you Me listen too. to the... Yeah. Those old records, like uh, the 90s stuff and early 2000s, this, these tracks are basically like what we call techno now sometimes, mm. like 140 BPM. Mm. And uh, yeah. yeah, raw, nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, actually, like myself, uh, what, what, what many people don't know is that uh, my first love in, in, yeah, in, in, in electronic music was actually more the harder styles okay. of dance music. Um, well, although, I mean, that's not completely true because first it was at first it was Eurodance. Guilty pleasure all the way. <laughs> my, 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 my first memory as a kid was uh, dancing in kindergarten on uh, Two Unlimited. Uh, There's No Limit. Yeah, classic. Um, nice so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, it, it also, has, it, 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 it sounds very ravey, that track, actually. But, um, no, so for me, uh, I was really into that kind of stuff, and uh, I was buying kind of those party hit CDs with tracks like uh, Gigi D'Agostino, L'Amour du Jour, or Ivo 65 Blue. Yeah. Um, but then uh, through through that music, I got more into uh, hard style and jump style. But that that jump style stuff is, 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 is I think I think it's, it's interesting to mention because uh, there was a, a huge hype around it in the Netherlands, especially amongst younger kids mm. um and it, could you also dance jump style yeah yeah also dance those, <laughs> those nice. jump style dances yeah and what the jump style is actually it is it, 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 it's actually rooted in uh in that kind of old belgium rave trance techno sound okay. so that, that the track that ranier mentioned uh, the jones Stemerson, the, the first rebirth uh, i i also clearly remember the first time that i hear that i heard that was actually on dutch radio and, and I was completely mesmerized by it. Like, like what the fuck? This is, this is amazing. Um, so, yeah. So before I got into like house, club, electro, and, and like the more UK sounds, I first got into the you know, hardstyle, gabber, jumpstyle. 
How how did you get into the like the more like UK stuff with with the Oliver Heldon stuff that you were doing? Like where where did well, that where did the bridge kind of gap where you're like okay this is going to do well or was it a point of this is going to do well or is it just the fact that you really like this stuff? Um, well, so so yeah, so as a kid I was really into, into harder styles, but then when I was twelve and when I went to high school, uh, uh, that's when I, when I got more into club music. Mm. House and, and, and there, were, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of Dutch uh, yeah club music yeah um, around like you know people like Chocolate Puma or Labour mm. Luke, um, Senor Van Dorn, Gregor uh, uh, Salto. Um, uh, so I, I was really into that kind of stuff. But at the same time, back then I was also really you know like like that Crookers remix of Day and Night was so big yeah that also the fidget was getting was pretty big in the Netherlands as well. There, there were many. Dutch producers and DJs who would kind of mix, uh, mix that English fidget sound with kind of more Dutch clubby yeah. electro stuff. So there was a lot of, it was, it was very eclectic and a lot of stuff going on. Also at my high school, they, they threw really, they threw really big, they organized for very big uh, parties and, and, they, and they would actually book uh, some pretty big DJs like, Actually, like like, like Fed Legrand right before he broke through. Yeah. Uh, Hartwell also before he broke through, and, 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 and Eric E, for example. So also at these parties, I I got to experience those clubby yeah records on, on big sound systems. And I was like, well, yeah, I also really want to make music myself. So those first few years, the the the, the kind of sound that 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 I was going for was kind of this I, I call it the sneakers sounds. Uh, sneakers or sublabel spinning, yeah, which is yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very much like a mix of electro club music and and tech tech house. Yeah, yeah. Although it's it's not tech house at all. It's it's really like a mix. Um, and yeah, and then from there, uh, yeah, I, I won't try to make this short. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but from there, I, I got more into progressive stuff because of the likes of Xwell and uh, yeah, you know, like the, the, the early Avicii stuff. Uh, so from there, I got more, more and more into the progressive big room EDM style. Uh, also, because it it, 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 for me, it was kind of a, a kind of a throwback to the hard style stuff. Mm. So then, so then I, I got, I got, the, I was, I got, I got into a period of making, yeah, like big room festival bangers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for me, but but then it all changed for me in, I think like the end of 2012 or, or early 2013, uh, when I heard uh, make disclosure their stuff. Mm. And from there, I got introduced to like, like Shadow Child and Dusky, yeah. uh, Julio Bashmore, yeah. MK. And for me, that was very refreshing, you know, that whole UK Deep House sound. Um, and, but at the same time, that, that UK Deep House sound from those artists also kind of brought me back to that 2008 Dutch clubhouse yeah. sound. So, so yeah, so, so, so since then, uh, I, I started to make more of, of, this, of those housey tunes again. But then, you know, a little bit more futuristic and a little bit more big room yeah. than the, the UK house sound. And yeah, that, yeah, so that's when I made Gecko. Because the UK house was like, it it kind of downplayed everything a little bit. It was like, like let's say for instance, Dusky, it was, it was really amazing music, but it was still, it didn't go that next level of commerciality, if you know what I mean. It wasn't access, that accessible compared to some of the stuff that you did. Um but the, there's two things that's kind of links with like the Netherlands and the UK is that our like 
radio and how much we love dance music between both of both the cultures like you can have a whole charts of of dance music in the uk um and it's only been the last few years where hip-hop has kind of taken a, a big part of, of the charts what's it like what was it like growing up in the netherlands with pretty much house and techno and dance stuff on the radio like is was that a huge influence yeah definitely there was uh there would always be as far as i can remember there would always be uh dance tracks topping the charts from time to time mm. uh and even some underground stuff yeah uh sometimes hitting the charts uh and then you also have like a lot of more poppy things that are basically very much dance tracks with a nicer production and uh, mm. some shine on it you know and love cheese of course yeah but uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i, I think that the dutch dance charts are really uh, focused uh the dutch charts are really focused on dance as well i think lately a bit less maybe mm. the last uh last 10 years but then on the other side, if you listen to the beats of uh, pop music nowadays on the radio, it's basically all house house beats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're so different to America where majority of America, you get this, the odd house beat, but in America, majority is hip hop or rock, especially yeah. rock from like five, 10 years ago. But now it's all hip hop, trap and everything like that. What is it about the Netherlands that had this like dance music history? Because there's so many DJs like fa very famous DJs from the Netherlands. Like where did, it's such a small country. Like wh where did that come from? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. do you want yeah. to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're, you're four years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, how, old are, how old is everyone, by the way? Are we all pre uh, I'm 30. Yeah, I'm 30 as well. Uh, and, uh, and I'm 26. Okay, cool. Young one. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think uh, it's a pretty liberal country mm. uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, trying out uh, things, and um, also pretty artistic. <laughs> and <laughs> no, but I think uh, there always has been uh, some sort of uh, of drive to innovate and uh, to try out uh, more rebel things. You know, mm. things that are not allowed. Uh, and basically, uh, well, I was not there. I was just too young for that. But uh, yeah, the history of uh, dance music here started with illegal raves. Mm. Uh, and then I think the, uh, the warehouse elements, uh, as it's called nowadays, one of the first clubs in Amsterdam to have um, like a, a license. Yeah. Um, and from there, yeah, like they saw that these raves under tunnels and in, in a forest, they will, be, they will be there. We cannot stop them. So at some point, the government just accepted it and uh, tried to sort of regulate it and then make it as safe as possible. And yeah. Uh, yeah, from there, uh, people really liked it and it grew out uh, to super big proportions pretty mm. fast. I think nowadays the festival productions that are in Holland are amongst the best in the world and also like a sort of benchmark uh, for um, yeah, for other festivals around the world. If you look, for example, at Awakenings in uh, in the techno scene, then it's yeah, pretty much a benchmark for uh, for everybody who organizes a festival around the world. Yeah, it's... it's, it's the awakenings is like the one right for techno i guess or for dance music generally it's not just techno but it's, it, it is the biggest festival in the scene probably yeah probably i think together with uh with the time warp from germany yeah. i think uh yeah that's those are basically the parties that have been around pretty long um and uh are doing well for so many years it's mm. uh, it's crazy yeah you uh have you just kind of did like the or not did you just sold a crazy festival out uh is it like a label festival or is it just you 
Uh, it's, it's called live now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's basically uh, I'm playing 11 hours live. So yeah. only my own music. And I do it live on stage with like 20 synthesizers, mm. everything hooked up. That's pretty nice. Also, if you're the only one playing, then you have all the space to completely fill it up. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to play uh, from 12 in the afternoon till 11 at night. Yeah. Uh, I, I did before. Um, I, yeah, I really like to do all-nighters or all-day parties. And mm. I did quite some uh, already. Uh, I think the, the longest one uh, I did was uh, 12 hours uh, uh, at ADE. That's mm. uh, now almost, yeah, it's almost two years ago. Mm. Uh, and I like it so much, especially because when when you play such a long set, at some, at some point you get so involved in the music that you're not even really thinking that you're touching knobs and sliders, yeah. but you're just hearing the music and then sort of hearing what you want to hear and you just change it without thinking and yeah. you just only focus on that and from that you get a really um yeah, really special results like the, the sets i play at the all-nighters and at the all-day parties uh I, I do way more improvising and uh, uh always when i hear them back i'm like super happy with it it's just something uh yeah that's that's super special uh that you can connect with the audience in such a way mm. and people also really like it so uh yeah, we, we already sold it out. It went really fast uh, with uh, 15,000 people. So yeah, um, that's a lot yeah, of people. It's insane. Yeah, so I'm really, it's like, I hope it happens this year because it's the end of August. But uh, yeah, uh, it's just something I really look forward to most. You know, if it's going to uh, happen, uh, I'm like a little kid uh, in a candy shop. Uh, 15,000 people is a lot of people just to play for 11 hours by yourself. Yeah. How How yeah. do you kind of like, Obviously, everything's live, but how do you like? How do you prep for that? Yeah, basically, the preparation is just uh, normally the preparation is uh, just the gigs that you do every uh, every weekend. Mm. Uh, I always work from the same uh, live set, so basically, you have the computer is uh, like the main machine, and from from that, I can um, uh, sequence everything. So I have, I have like synthesized connected, but mm. I sequence them all through the computer with a controller, the native instrument machine. Yeah. And from that, I can control all the synthesized, all the drum patterns in, uh, literally in the center of my setup. Yeah. Uh, so that makes it a bit more easy to, uh, to quickly change arrangement and mm. change things. And like every, every week, uh, I add all the new things I uh, did in the studio. Um, and usually I work with uh, with backing tracks, so I have a track and then I just record the arrangement with the kick, the bass, and the sound effects. Yeah. So that's really important for me because I found that if I don't have an arrangement, sort of like the break's already there. If I really like it, I might <laughs> end up playing 20 minutes the same, you know? And uh, I have had it in the past and I learned from that. So so basically you have the backing track and then already the break just comes because the kick and the bass is gone. So you yeah. have like, yeah, your perception of time doesn't matter if it's a bit uh, skewed. Yeah. And uh, then as soon as I drag it in, uh, in like sort of my workspace, you have from left to right, basically if you scroll completely to the right in the Ableton file, you have uh, the oldest music I made, uh, with, like basically stuff from uh, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And then it's like chronologically added every week. Mm -hmm. And because I, I play a lot, I, well, I used to remember where everything was. Uh, I found that uh, <laughs> I did some streams lately. I do remember some, but definitely not how it, how it was. So I do need some practice with that. But uh, because it's like one terabyte of backing track or something. Oh, wow. So it's so much that... Uh, you really need to stay on it uh, every week to really uh, remember. But then as soon as you drag something in at the backing track, the 
uh, machine plugin uh, uh, and Ableton load in all the presets I made for the track mm. and the, the sequences. So I, I, I get the MIDI uh, in the machine and then I can, for example, I start with how it sounds sort of on the record, like as close as possible, but then I can change the notes and I can change the sounds uh, and uh, add other drums on top. Yeah. Uh, could be the original one or usually I put the original ones plus extra and then you can yeah, make it as crazy as you want. So mm. it's, it's, it's really versatile. And uh, also, um, because Lux is not like sort of pre-programmed from top down, you, you really can play like a DJ. So you can just yeah. choose between your own tracks. Uh, and uh, that way, it's also possible to play way longer. Mm. Um, yeah, the preparation usually is um, yeah, so, so play, it's playing like all year long and uh, uh, um, yeah, getting more acquainted with your live set. But the, the other preparation is to really check everything for bugs to really make sure that, uh, that yeah. the fans are all clean of dust. And uh, I, I usually have uh, the same setup two times and some things even three times. So if my laptop uh, would fry on stage, I just hook in another one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So do yeah, you... yeah, because yeah, it's pretty long, you know, so the chance that something happens, well, luckily, uh, I, I tap it off. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> it never happened. But uh, uh, yeah, you should be prepared, you know. So do you, do you um, always play live when you play? Is it always? Yeah, yeah. yeah, always. Yeah. And do you yeah. play other people's records during that as well? Or is it just purely your own records? Uh, no, I do play other people's records, but then it's always live, uh, live remixes or uh, an edit. But uh, usually, I have, for example, from stuff from the label, I have of every track, I usually prepare a, a little remix mm. um, uh, yeah, or an edit so that I can uh, still uh, still play it and try it out. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I would never play an original track. Um, so sometimes also recreate, like, uh, for example, some classic tracks, like Zombie Nation, for example. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have a remix from it, but I just play the sequence in a synthesizer mm. uh, and uh, put a big kick, you know, and I, I love the, I love the track. So uh, that also works. So depends a little bit, but uh, it's it's also nice to have, like, tracks that you really like remixed in it because, yeah, uh, yeah, I would really miss, miss uh, that if you can only play, like, originals, then it would be a bit, uh, yeah, you would miss out on all the fun stuff that's uh, around. Well, I think also is, like, being a dj as well as we all are we know that sometimes the crowd actually wants to hear something they they know that somebody else has made if you know what i mean or like a remix like you said is sometimes yeah. you have to entertain it at the end of the day we can't just be playing big kick drums for 12 hours can we we've got to give them something a little bit more yeah yeah definitely um yeah but should be a big kick drum under it anyway of course always a big kick drum (laughs) (laughs) ollie when uh do you plan on um doing touring for the high low project or you literally oh yeah definitely yeah Yeah. what's what's the plan with that um i mean well right now it's it's kind of difficult to Mm. really plan with the the whole covid situation um but 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 right now i'm 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 i i i am already starting to see some some good high low offers Mm. so uh yes i'm definitely planning to uh to, to, to do some high low shows but yeah but but now it's kind of difficult to tell like which things are gonna are are, are gonna are gonna are 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 are, 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 are actually gonna happen yeah. and which things don't um but yeah but i'm definitely yeah uh, right, right now i'm uh, you know since the whole high low thing really uh since the whole high low thing really came off the ground yeah in the in, in the more techno world uh, yeah, I'm very focused on it now, and yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling very inspired and working on so many new tracks. Uh, yeah, and of course our, our, our track that, that just came out on Open Assets is doing really well. So, 
So that's pretty crazy. And, and Rainier and myself, we have like four collabs coming up right now. Yeah. Well, three, like three at least, but we're working, working on more stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, yeah, I definitely want to do more more high low uh, shows as well. Are you are you at the point where I, I don't know how like much you you're writing in the studios if you're writing like every day or anything like that? But did you get to the point where you're like I just want to do high low stuff or I want to do Oliver Heldon stuff and high low or like how do you do that when you go into the studio? Because I I've got other projects that I do myself that no one really knows about, and it I find it quite hard to kind of get in the headspace sometimes of being like okay, this is a Will Clark record or I need to concentrate and mm. this is a different project record. How, kind of what? Do yeah, you... I, 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 do, I do both at the same time. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I just really like to be, to, to be creative. And uh, so, so sometimes I even have like, like three projects open at the same time. And then one can be like a very dark, hard, high-low record mm. or ID. And then another one can be like a super more yeah more, very melodic mm. commercial house records um and then yeah if, if i get stuck yeah, so, so so sometimes it, it would happen that i that, that i work for a few hours on something more commercial mm. and then i'm yeah okay now i'm done working on this taking a break and then i feel like working on something yeah for the high project something more, more harder um yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of all over the place i'm not super organized and i i, I yeah I, I just get creative and uh, and then many awesome, awesome things happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's amazing. It's but, um, but, but definitely like lately, I've, I've I've been getting more focused on, on high low. Yeah, and also you know it also really helped to 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 to, to do many sessions with, with Rainier, and, and and to do collaborations with people like you, Will, mm. uh, or for example T seventy eight, which of course like we we did it, we did it online, but still that also uh, yeah that also helps me to get more into that mindset mm. um yeah so so now i'm like full of inspiration um because i mean of, cor- of course like the, the all of helms thing got so big early on yeah um that 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 that, 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 that hilo was always kind of like less focused on yeah um but yeah but now with the with the pandemic uh and also just in general i i i just yeah, I I, I, I I developed myself as a producer, mm. so yeah, so now it's it's gotten a lot easier to, to to do both. Yeah, totally. Have you both enjoyed the time off, like from the pandemic, like actually being yeah. able to sit down and not have to worry about touring? Yeah, well, I uh, I do like to be like seven days in the studio per week, and uh, I, I often do. Nowadays, weeks of 100 hours of studio work, mm. uh, which is amazing oh. because you get, um, yeah, you just get better at it and you can finish a lot of stuff, like also some side projects. Uh, I'm doing some hip hop beats, uh, for example, uh, working on, uh, on on film music mm. for some projects. And uh, normally I wouldn't really have the time for that because you're touring like four days average yeah. or something. And they have three days left in the studio, but you're also a bit tired from uh, all, the, all the hotels, all the flying yeah. and uh, the party. And um, now you really have time, but on the other hand, I really feel that I uh, I miss performing because I really like to perform. And for mm. me, the the um, sort of uh, division is always like I make music during the week, 
Uh, and then I really like to share it with people and yeah. I get feedback from the dance floor and I can change um, yeah, Usually a lot of my tracks are, are made in the moment, like an improvisation or something I changed on stage and then I save it and I come back and I finish it in the studio. Yeah. And that uh, the whole dynamic uh, uh, changed completely because now you're just close in the studio making tracks that you cannot play out. Uh, so yeah, I, I do miss touring a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess, um, I guess that's the thing that I've struggled with the most is the writing club records that that hasn't ever been tested in a club and probably yeah. won't for another six months maybe it's kind of a i haven't actually written much much music in the last like month or two because i'm just like i just don't know what to write because i have no inspiration for dance music at all um okay. it's strange really because I, I i'm usually like that with you like i'm usually six days a week in the studio or if I'm touring in three, four days, I'm in the studio pretty much every day. And yeah, I just haven't, haven't had it. Um, it's strange. What about you, Ollie? Well, that, 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 that's something I'm hearing from more DJs uh, and producers. So that, that, that just very, that just really varies their person, mm. I guess. Um, yes. Cause for, for me, uh, yeah, I've I, I been very, I've, I've been, I've been very productive since the, the start of the pandemic, and I didn't really have any like dips in cre- in, cre- in creativity. Mm. Um, but for me, I guess in general, that was just because I because I had, because I had so much more time to work on music, yeah, and to get creative. Because um, also, when I'm on the road uh, and doing shows, and, and 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 maybe also hearing other DJs play and. You know, just just taking in all those different mm. impressions, uh, that that can also really yeah, boost my creativity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, usually on the road, I'm also, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm also I'm also I'm also coming up with new ideas, um, and or yeah, like sometimes sometimes even after a show, uh, I put in new ideas. Um, so so of course I'm missing all those you know all those new impressions and those new impulses. Uh, but yeah, but but now in the pandemic, I, I've had so much time that yeah, for me it's, it's been going really well in the studio. Have you guys managed to like hang out with family and friends like a little bit more? Because obviously, like we all know that being a touring DJ, like you don't really see your family and friends as, as often. Have you like managed to like chill out a little bit and kind of see family and friends as well? Yeah, definitely. Uh, my brother got a. Got a son uh, with his wife uh, last September. So, uh, yeah, it's super nice because now I can uh, visit them uh, a mm-hmm. lot more. And usually I would be just uh, the uncle that's always away, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and now uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, yeah, and I also try, like, I see my parents way more. Uh, uh, yeah, also with friends, it's a bit harder. Everybody's, of course, also working. Yeah. And you cannot meet up. You can only see one person. Yeah. So you have to really plan it in. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to to be able to uh, to do also something in the weekend. Well, at yeah. least now there's basically nothing you can do at the moment, <laughs> but uh, but uh, to just have a walk through the city or uh, or outside somewhere at the beach, uh, yeah, that's something normally you can never do, and uh, it's pretty funny to do those, um, uh, yeah, the, the 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 normal stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's it's been strange, isn't it? Because I was talking I was talking to my manager that well, yeah, I was talking to my manager the other day, and it's like Torin's dates are coming back in. And then you're like, okay, well, the dates come back in when you're allowed to do things again. And then we've just done a whole year of 
not being able to do anything. So we, our lives haven't changed. We're just going to go back to touring and it's not see anyone again because we haven't been able to really see our mates because of the pandemic. Bring it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be fun. I think, what what do you think there are first shows that are going to be back? Like, do you reckon they're going to be mental or I think they're going to be wild? Yeah, they're going to be extreme. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, of course. It should be yeah. it should be extreme. That celebrate. Mm. Yeah, they're saying it's gonna be like 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 a roaring twenties, right? Yeah. Like yeah. like then you also had a pandemic and then afterwards people were going uh, bananas. It's gonna be yeah. fun. It's gonna be fun. I can't wait. Um yeah. <laughs> Renee, what have you got going on with the record label? Like how did Filth and Acid start? That's kind of where I wanna like where did the name come from? Like, I know these are very generic questions, but I'm just being selfish yeah. and yeah, want to sure, know myself. Of uh, yeah, um, well, um, I, I was uh, in 2014, 2015, uh, releasing a lot of uh, music uh, that actually was successful in the sense that, like, a lot of DJs from, like, the super underground guys, still even the uh, big big room DJs would mm-hmm. play the, the records. And... For example, I would go as a visitor to Awakenings and I, literally on every stage, uh, every DJ would play two or three tracks that I produced. Okay. Uh, and uh, that was amazing, but still I, I was only playing illegal small raves and stuff. So it didn't really took off. Uh, but then suddenly, yeah, like in 2016, uh, like it started 2016, it really exploded and went really felt fast from there. But uh, then I like sort of encountered a new problem because I was playing a lot uh, with live set. I got like a lot of IDs and I had tracks that I knew they worked really good and I mm-hmm. liked them a lot. It was really from the heart, but it, it completely didn't fit any of the labels I was releasing with. And they did say, yeah, this is shit track or this is not good. Try to write something like this. And I don't like that, you know, I want to uh, to be uh, innovative and to make something that I really like, that I would want to hear. Mm-hmm. And especially if you can see that the track is working like a rocket on the dance floor. Uh, but still not able to release everything. Uh, I, I came up with the idea to start a label. Uh, and then one of my best friends that I know for a long time, uh, Axel, that uh, uh, now, now also became my manager. Uh, but with him, uh, we sat down and uh, started to think about uh, names for the, for, for the label. Uh, I think it was in 2016. And then we came up with a whole list of crappy names. Uh, and uh, uh, then suddenly... We were like, we did an EP together with uh, with uh, Axel on uh, Trapeze in 2015. And this had all these great, great names like Loophole, uh, Back in the Hole, that kind of thing. And, and Filter Message <laughs> was one of the tracks. And we were like, why don't we call it Filter Message? It's way better than all the crap, the crap that we just came up with during our brainstorm session. Yeah. And so that became uh, um, the, the name of the label. And the, the, the track name then was inspired by, it was an acid track. But it was also really sounding really dirty and filthy and a bit mm. different than other stuff. So that's why it was like filth on acid. And um, yeah, we started, like we did the first release in 2017 on the label with uh, collaborations with uh, some really cool artists, uh, Oliver Koletsky, Secret Cinema, mm. uh, Gabriel Nanda. And um, yeah, from there, uh, that release did pretty well. And there was also a really big artist uh, joining for the first release. And yeah, from there I just started uh, asking people that I work with to if they want to do a collab. And um, yeah, I also asked Carl Cox back then, and I didn't expect him to say yes. But then he was like, "Yeah, sure. When you're in Australia, uh, let's meet up in the studio." I couldn't believe that. It was pretty That's early, amazing. also in the label. Yeah. And then uh, then uh, I came in the studio, and uh, we're like, ah, "Would he really show up?" You know, we're just waiting for him. 
And suddenly he was there and he said, okay, let's make a track. And uh, that tech track, it, it's one of the uh, most successful tracks on Field and Asset. Yeah. And there's just streams and stuff. And uh, yeah, that really, uh, it was really a big help for us also to kickstart the label. And mm -hmm. from there on, uh, uh, yeah, we have been able to, to really focus on like what, what kind of sound do we do? Uh, last year, I was still sort of searching, you know? And I think now we really have an idea. Uh, we are able to push a bit more in terms of sound because the label got bigger. So people also adjust a bit what they, adjust what they, what they produce. And uh, yeah, we're super happy with the, with the past releases, like uh, to have artists like you, uh, you guys on board. It's, it's amazing. And uh, I, I think from here it gets better and better. We have so many great things lined up uh, for this year. Uh, uh, Camel Fat and Rebuke uh, come with a collab. Uh, Ella Fitzpatrick will do an EP. Uh, Cox will return to the label. Uh, yeah, and some other some other really cool artists um, uh, are, are coming uh, to the label or coming back. Yeah, and we also really get now a circle of artists that we like and that produce really good music and are very consistent. Uh, and that's also there was a bit of a dream that you have at some point, like a group of producers that you know that they come up with great stuff and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's super, super nice. Really I think, happy with it. I think that's the key, isn't it, right, to a, to a label is to have a crew of people that just turns out to be like one big family. Um, yeah, definitely. The, the, uh, I, I experienced that with Dirty Bird at the beginning um, of my career. And when when I kind of got introduced into the Dirty Bird family, it was like it was a family. It's kind of changed a little bit now and, and moved a lot of people have moved on from that. But yeah. it's just... There's just something about it when you can all be on the same lineup together and yeah. you just know that like everyone can be f fun and like there's no ego there's no it's just literally we're just there to have a great time and all of us play our music and and we do we all do our own little thing um yeah. and none of us are copying each other but it's just it's just there's something nice about it and i, I think having your own label is is so important to to be an artist nowadays because you can like you said, you can release your own music. Oliver, I know you do it with, with Helldeep. Like, I, like with my label, I don't know. Like I know most of those records that I release would never be released because they're not going to fit on someone else's record label. Yeah. Um, Oliver, how do you find that? Do you release everything on your label as Oliver Heldens now, or do you kind of flick between different record labels? Um. Well, like on my label, I'm I'm pretty versatile. Mm. Um, so I, I I release some some pretty commercial stuff on the label, but but also but but it's mainly focused on more club yeah. stuff, kind of future house, or tech house, bass house, yeah. club. Um, but actually, we also now we 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 had a couple of techno releases, uh, and actually, like our first proper techno release was a uh, was actually the, the the number one most selling. Techno track of the year, which was insane, with the the Kai Tresit and Mogwai yeah. track uh, DD64. Yeah, it was big. Yeah, which was also kind of the, the return of, of Kai Tresit, who was, who was a real legend uh, here in, in Europe. Yeah, in, in that sound. Um, but yeah, for me myself, uh, I, I, yeah, myself, I, I also like to release on other labels. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and now with, with Hilo, there was definitely kind of like a, a strategy behind it to. Kind of uh, distantiated a little bit from Oliver or yeah. Heldens, because because people they they they, they can get they, they can get a little bit confused. Mm. So for for example, like my track uh, Poseidon, which I did as Hilo in 2019, that was kind of for me like the start of a new chapter. 
because it was like a very heavy, uh, yeah, big, big room techno, yeah. future techno records uh, that uh, that actually yeah that, that got picked up by uh, like people like Enrico San Giuliano and Umek, who, who were big inspirations for me, and they started playing it in in, in many of their sets. Uh, but then, you know, what's frustrating is that beatboards that they, they would categorize it as electro house, and uh, and, yeah. I, and back then, like for example, uh, Umek he told me that it, 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 it was it was one of, it was one of the, it was one of, it was one of his favorite tracks of the year, and that uh, it, it, if that was released on the techno label, then it, it would have it, it, it would have crushed the the techno yeah. charts. So from there, I was like, yeah, shit, I, I should really try to yeah to, to make a little plan behind Hilo with those new with this new sounds. So yeah so then I started to release a track on Mousetrap mm-hmm. uh, which was which also which wasn't purely techno. Uh, but it was also around the time that I, I started to send stuff to Rainier and that he started to give some feedback. Uh, so so, yeah, so this track was also not something that fitted on Phil from Acid. Uh, was, uh, but yeah but it was a great fit for Mousetrap. Um, and then yeah, and, and then and then that was already kind of picking up a little bit of support from the techno world and charting in the in the mm-hmm. techno charts. Um, and then I started yeah, and and then Sion uh, from Octopus he 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 he, he yeah he, he also noticed those records Zeus and Poseidon, and he, he was wondering what else I was working on. So then I I did two releases on Octopus with Kronos yeah and Athena those two records. And uh, yeah, and from there everything just really, just really got kicked off. Um, and uh, and since then I started to do started to do collabs with Rainier, with you, and yeah, with T seventy eight. Mm. And uh, yeah, and now everything really, now everything really comes together with the Hilo project. Um, but also yeah, I'm also as Oliver Heldens, I'm I'm open to releasing on different labels. Like like last year, I I I did a track on Tool Room. As Oliver Heldens, because that was also like a more, yeah, more like old school house, yeah, ravey, techy kind of record. So yeah, in the future, I'm also open to really, yeah, to to to, to release on other labels. Also recently, I I did a remix for Above and Beyond on the, on their label uh, on Juna, which was also, which was also a little bit more trancey, progressive. Uh, and and yeah, I'm doing a really exciting remix now for. For, for Roger Sanchez, uh, not, uh, another chance, which, which, which is actually going to be kind of a little bit more progressive, uh, camel fat style, but yeah. still uh, like full on, like, like still high energy. It's kind of like a mix between my style and more, more yeah. progressive camel fat stuff. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, I just really like to be versatile um, and yeah, release on different labels and also, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also with Heldy, we started a different label now called OH2 Records. Okay. So, to, to, which is more focused on more commercial stuff. Okay. Uh, so, so, so that way we can kind of split the very commercial stuff, and uh, and then with Heldy, we can yeah, that, that, gives, that gives us more headspace to focus mm. on on the more clubby uh, stuff. Yeah. And then, and then maybe in the future, maybe in the future, I I, I will start like also a sub label on Heldy for a more uh, yeah, more techno kind of stuff. But right now we just released the techno stuff on on the healthy main label and yeah it, it worked really well. Yeah, I, I think there there is a bigger crossover in crowds than people realize. Yeah, I think I think the gap between uh, you know like the commercial house club, future house, base house, whatever, 
and techno and you know, and also if you look at techno right in the last couple of years with uh, the, with, with the, the, the kind of new trends uh, influences that yeah there, there, there's there's a lot more crossover stuff happening uh yeah, I, I don't know right now where I'm going to with this story. But. No, I I totally I totally <laughs> agree with you. I totally agree with you because I think there's there is this like in the industry there's quite like this clicky kind of thing where a lot of people think you write techno, you can only write techno and you can only kind of play techno parties. But I think if we kind of step out of that and take ourselves out of the industry, there's a lot of people that go to parties that will listen to a lot of different music rather than just techno or just trance or just hip-hop whatever i think people actually especially nowadays want to listen with like streaming with like spotify and apple music and all of those is like there's everyone's got so many different genres of music at the fingertips of their on, on their phone literally you can just pick it up and you can listen to anything and all these algorithms are kind of sending you lots of different genres of music every day so i think it actually has broadened the like fan base of what people listen to um i don't know if i don't know if you guys have kind of experienced yeah, and, and, that as well. and in general just this this genres those subgenres over all those years they've just fluctuated mm. more and more into each other um but also yeah the internet definitely helps with that. yeah definitely Raina, um doing the with like streaming um and then like obviously record sales as well have you noticed streaming really helping the like income of a record label or do you find it's more like sales on b-boy etc etc um well i think from the top of my head well uh, i'm not so too much into the finest part at the moment of the label i think streams are more important uh, uh for the label because uh yeah, well, actually for 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 being techno uh we we, we have uh, a lot of streams yeah. Not as much, of course, as as uh, commercial music or or uh, charging yeah, stuff. Yeah. But still, we have a lot of tracks with um, with seven or even eight digit uh, plays on the label, and then uh, yeah, then it's serious money at some point. Mm. Um, and yeah, so the label's doing great. Also on Beatport, I, I think we're now in the last three months uh, almost the best selling uh, record label in uh, in techno. Wow. Uh, so. Um, yeah, that, that's amazing, and I think we. So, so the thing is with these streams and sales. Like in the beginning, a record label only cost money. Like uh, when we started it, uh, we really just spent all our savings, basically mm. calling uh, me and Axel, uh, calling each other, like, "Hey, do you still have some money left?" <laughs> and because also my career was then just taking off, so yeah. uh, obviously you don't really have a big, uh, big budget uh, as as later on. But uh, we, we would invest everything in the label to have like from day one. Uh, crazy nice artwork we always have the same mm. artist Mathieu Schellekes which is insanely good uh, drawer all, uh, yeah it's, it's like amazing. super crazy stuff and uh, all hand drawn and then we have an illustrator also for making the uh, the videos moving and mm. stuff and of course all these things are expensive of course uh, and, and in the beginning it only, it only costs money and but yeah then if you have luck and if it gets big then at some point uh, you can also earn uh, money with the label but it has, has never been the focus like the label just as a sort of um yeah, outing and to just share great music with the world mm. and with DJs so that they can play it. Uh, and yeah, then it's nice, of course, at some point if you can earn money uh, yeah. with it. But of course, still, like, um, 
in a normal year without the pandemic, uh, the, it's still nothing compared to uh, uh, what, what you, for example, could, could earn with touring. So, uh, but then on the other hand, now it's really nice if you, uh, yeah, if you can uh, get some income with that and just keep on growing the label with the money. That's great. Yeah, I think it's just added on to what you earn as a DJ, right? It's like that extra, like being able to, I, I think it's nice also being with the label, with a label that actually earns money, you can put the money back into the record label and back into the artist. You might, let's say for instance, you sign a new artist that you're really into, like you can actually yeah. put money into that record and kind of really give it, give it a real push. Definitely. Yeah, we also like, for example, have some some artists that I personally really like that uh, in the beginning of their career when they're still like in school or something, mm. that we actually help them with, uh, with, for example, getting good studio monitors uh, oh, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, also next to that, like we always actually pay uh, the money that we get with the records. I know from experience with a lot of labels, even big ones, not going to name names, but they uh, they cheat on the yeah. on the balance sheet and they put like absurd costs uh, on it so that you don't get anything. Yeah. It's basically stealing in my opinion. Yeah. And we always do it fair. So if you have a good record that sells a lot and you have a B-port number one and uh, a lot of streams, you actually uh, get the money from us. Yeah, it's yeah. also a nice thing, uh, especially in the underground. Uh, yeah, there's so much sh shady stuff going on with people not paying or lying about it and stuff, which we don't like. We like to do this fair, you know, and it's nice for the artists and also for us uh, in the end. It, it annoys me so much that, and I don't know why people in the industry do it because you're not, you're stealing from the artists, obviously, but yeah. it's also like, it's not like that much money, if you know what I mean. It's not, we're not talking like hundreds of thousands of, of dollars. We're talking like thousands of dollars, but it's like that can really help someone's life being especially yeah. being a new artist and struggling like we all know what it's yeah. like when you start out you have no money um yeah. it's so strange that they do that i really don't like there's we've all had it that i, I know there's yeah, yeah. i got a i got an email through the other day from a record label that has never paid me and they they just yeah. somebody bought the record label off them um and it was actually like one of my bigger record, like the first record that I had that was big and they'd never paid me. And it was a friend's record label. So I never had any issue with him not paying me. I didn't care about yeah. it. But yeah. he, the record label had just been bought out and they are like doing all the balance sheets and having to pay everyone before, before they could sell the record label. Yeah. And you just get like a check for like five grand and you're like, oh, wow. Like <laughs> it's kind of, kind of yeah. nice just to be like, oh, that's, that someone that's been in someone's bank for god knows how long for like six yeah. six years and you're yeah. just like just pay <laughs> don't lie yeah. but invoice the rent exactly isn't it <laughs> <The> interest <Yeah. laughs> exactly um so touring wise um if all goes to plan are you back to business by the end of the year if if we're allowed that's the both of you. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. That uh, depends, really. I think uh, we'll just start up slowly. You know, like some areas uh, are uh, are vaccinating really fast at the moment, yeah. um, and there's already stuff happening and going on. So that's maybe also a good thing that you don't get like in in one week you go from no touring to uh, five gigs per weekend, mm. but you just slide into it. So I, I guess. There will be a, a sort of crossover time that you maybe do a gig sometimes here and there, and then at some point it goes back to uh, to normal. Do you do you so, guys do you guys want to 
like during the pandemic, obviously we've all had time off uh, and it's, I don't know, but I've quite enjoyed it. Um, but do you guys think you're going to do as much as you were beforehand uh, or are you going to try and like actually spend more time in the cities that you're traveling in and like enjoy the, the touring side of it more? Or are you just going to like, when the opportunity comes, go balls to the wall and just tour as much as you can again? Well, in my case, I, I did already slow down on touring mm. since 2018. Yeah, so. but you, dude, you were touring like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Especially those, those first few years, yeah. so 2014, 15, 16, they, 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 these were crazy. And then in 2018, I was like, hey, I, I really want to slow down yeah. a bit. So I so I had more time to make music again. Mm. So in 2018, I went from like, from like, from, from like 150 shows to like 110 mm. shows. And in 2019, I did the same, like around 110 shows. And, and that's already a big difference from 150. So, uh, yeah, so, um, well, and then I, I also was, was, was uh, I, I was struggling, struggling a little bit with some mental issues. Mm. Uh, I have bipolar disorder. Mm. And uh, I started to kind of have like manic episodes Mm. more frequently but then actually in 2019 it started uh yeah to, to, yeah, to get more frequent and, and and then actually in the summer of 2019 it was the first time that, that, that i had to cancel a show because mm. of uh yeah of mental issues because that never happened before that i had to cancel yeah. the show because of that uh so since then i, I yeah started to, to to try a bunch of different medications uh and also that whole summer 2019 like I kind of went through that on kind of yeah kind of zombie medications uh, that yeah. made me very flat, but that way, but I could still function. Uh, and then yeah, in the in the end of, of 2019, I kind of finally found a medication that that was well, that really that, that worked really well for me Amazing. because it didn't really affect my cre creativity too much. And uh, as basically since the yeah since the end of 2019 till now, uh, I, I've been very stable mentally. Mm -hmm. So, so actually, my plan was to, yeah, to maybe even do like more shows than 110 shows a year again. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Because yeah, because I also really enjoy the time at home. And yeah. To have more time on to focus, yes, yeah, spend more time in the studio and yeah, and spend more time on like yeah, the weekly radio show and mm. run, running the label. Um. So yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm not sure yet. On the like uh, mental side of things, have you have you tried therapy or anything? Has that helped? Um, well, not actual therapy. Well, well, so so the first symptoms of this I already had when I was twelve. Okay. Um, so yeah, since I was like fourteen, I already started seeing a psychologist. Okay. Um, yeah, and then when I was sixteen, it was actually the first time that that I got like a, like a real like psychosis, mm. like a very heavy manic episode yeah. where I was basically tripping for 10 days straight. So since then I also, since then I started to see a psychiatrist and yeah, and since then I started to take it very seriously because uh, yeah, I, I didn't want that to happen again. Yeah. But then still one year later when I was 17, it happened again. Uh, and it was also like, yeah, like, uh, and, 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 and it was just as intense. Mm. Um, so already on an early age, I yeah, when I experienced those two crazy yeah, psychosis, the psychotic episodes, um, 
uh, yeah, that made me realize like, oh yeah, this is re- this is just really a part of me. But even yeah. though back then I, I didn't have the name bipolar disorder for it or mm. something, I just but I knew something was wrong and yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just wanted to, to 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 prevent that from happening again in the future. So, so I, yeah, so I actually for me it was actually also very mind opening, uh, and it made me more aware of my mental state. And, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I think also that also plays a part in that I'm 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 sober all the time. Also mm-hmm. when I'm playing, uh, I, I barely drink, and I, and I don't do any drugs, so that also helps, uh, you know, with touring. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, surprisingly, those first few years when I was touring, um, yeah, like it, it was all, yeah, I, I, it was all pretty, it was all pretty easy to handle mm-hmm. mentally. So yeah, so it's kind of weird that when I started to, to, to tour less in 2018, since then I actually maybe because I got because I got more freedom and more time. Uh, that's when I when I, when I, when I yeah when I started to get less dedicated. Yeah. Uh, like I mean like less disciplined. Mm. Uh, and since then I, I I slipped a little bit more and got more into those manic episodes. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, but now I'm yeah, very happy that in the last yeah, less less one one and a half year. I've been very stable again. That's cool, man. That's cool. Do you find like routine is really helpful for for, for you? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, structure mm, yeah. is is really helpful, but I, I'm not really a big fan of uh, planning and structure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's always uh. Yeah, it's it, it, trying to find some kind of balance. Mm. Um, but, it, but probably, uh, it, 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 yeah, with, with structure definitely helps yeah. with, with this. Definitely. But, the, but the, thing, the, the thing about this though is, it, it, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. Mm. It's like a, like a double double edged sword, because because uh, when I'm basically kind of the the, the pre phase of a manic episode. It's called hypomania, mm-hmm. and in that pre-phase, you're actually like super active, productive, yeah. creative, and uh, it's, it's kind of like a feedback loop. Yeah. Uh, and and with, but then when you go too crazy and you don't sleep, then it can really spiral up, and then you get like very paranoid. Yeah. Um. So it, but it's, it's, so it's very tempting to kind of uh, to to kind of hit those yeah. those uh, those hi- those hypomanic episodes, and then don't slip through to, yeah, to manic yeah. episodes. Because yeah, it, it 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 makes me even more creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. And yeah, I, I, I'm just really lucky that uh, I've kind of accepted it from an early age, and and, and that I uh, yeah that, that I that I look for help uh, since an early age. And also, you know, with, with many bipolar people, they 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 get they yeah, they 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 fall into things like addiction. Yeah. And yeah, and, and that's really yeah, killing when you and you're both when you're and both addicted, but also get into those episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, so, and, and it's super and, and, it's, and, and, it's super interesting and, stuff because yeah. I think the thing is is a lot of people we all, we all have issues right in life. Like everyone has issues. Like the every average Joe walking down the street has issues, and I think um, in like the music industry. I think it's a lot more talked. It's talked about a lot more with mental health and everything like that. But also in the, in the, in the kind of the DJ and the electronic side of things, it's 
it's not really spoken about that much or it's spoken about because it's fashionable to speak about, but it's not really actually spoken about that much. And yeah. I think it's still very new to talk about. It. Yeah, of yeah. course. And I think, I think a lot of people actually struggle to talk about it. Um, and also I think a lot of people don't expect um, us to have issues with our careers or our lives because we live the fucking best lives anyone could ever wish for right but i i do think that it's it needs to be spoke about more um rainy do you ever do you have you, have you ever struggled with like touring with like just being constantly on or is it just like something that you you're not you're not really don't really have any issues with oh, i really like touring but it's uh, uh especially in the beginning the first couple of years uh it's um really hard to find a healthy balance yeah. between uh, between touring and how you uh, divide your time during mm. the tour and then to get back in the studio and to be fresh and uh, creative uh but yeah for, after a couple of years of, uh, of a lot of touring i i, I found out how uh, how to do it and how it works for me mm. uh so um yeah it's like with everything in life you have to learn uh, from your experience and uh, to develop it and to see what works for uh, for you Mm. It's also very individual. I think everybody I see tours very differently, and uh, uh, yeah, something that works from somebody for somebody else probably won't work for uh, for yeah. another DJ. Um, uh, but yeah, of, of course, uh, they have always. Uh, I remember when I was living in um, in Berlin in 2017 that I was touring a lot, and um, I, I felt a bit of pressure because I, I was back then. I think the best uh, selling techno uh, DJ on uh, on Beatport, mm. uh, and yeah, I made a lot of hits before that. And then as soon as I moved to Berlin, I suddenly didn't really have inspiration during the week, and I was like, "Fuck, I cannot write. I cannot write a good track anymore." Uh, so I was struggling with that. But then, yeah, at some point, you you get past that, and uh, creativity starts to flow again. And it was also, I think. Um, yeah, just because of not getting enough sleep, you know, I was always too excited for the show. And mm. then, uh, yeah, I was like, ah, fuck, I'm at the other side of the world. So uh, I, I, I go way before my set and I stay till the end, you know, because yeah. I want to talk with people and I want to experience the party and have a good time. And it's always really funny. But uh, at some point I found that uh, you also need to sleep a couple of hours extra because otherwise during the week you're completely Dead. depleted and just yeah. recovering. And then you can go to the studio at eight in the morning, but you're just sitting there like half sleeping without any ideas, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I learned from that, but, uh, for the rest, I, um, I'm really lucky in the sense that I'm, uh, uh yeah, uh, I, I can pretty much uh, switch off any, uh, uh, negativity in my head and just mm. focus on the show and, um, Amazing. and play. Yeah. And yeah. so I also like to, like to stand, um, to perform itself. I'm not, I'm not afraid to stand for a crowd, for example, or not, yeah. never nervous about it. I, I really like it actually. So for me, uh, uh, yeah, it's also more like one of the most fun things from being an artist to, uh, so that, that's really nice. Um, so I also think that when the parties come back that I, I will just continue the touring schedule I was mm. doing. Um, yeah, Amazing. for now I'm happy with that. Maybe at some point in the future, uh, that might change that you want to, to have more, more time and to do other things or, yeah. But I, I don't see that happening anytime soon, to be honest. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. Guys, we've um we've just done an hour and ten minutes. Um, let's wrap this motherfucker up. Thank you so much <laughs> for uh yeah. coming on. Um before we go, did you guys want to give out your Instagrams and everything like that and kind of do the the, the promotion stuff? 
Yeah, well, they can they can hit shirts, right? Yeah. <laughs> if they're interested. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, oh, and and also if if people want to uh, read about that, uh, you know, what what I just shared about the bipolar disorder. So basically, like a few weeks ago, I shared I shared a whole post where I kind of yeah went public for the first time with this whole uh, story. So, so so people they they can read more about it over there. Yeah. Um, That's really cool that you do that. Like uh, very. I would say it. A lot of courage to do that. Mm. It's really cool. Yeah, it's 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 important, man. It's it is really important. Um, yeah. I think more. I think there's a lot of people that actually struggle in the industry that don't talk about it and kind of just hide under yeah. a rock. Uh, I that. can confirm that now because, because basically since that post, I got uh, an invite for for uh, uh, like um, yeah like for like yeah for like a Zoom like like a like a weekly Zoom meetings. Mm with uh, other DJs oh, amazing. who struggle with this. It's, it's, it's kind of private. Yeah. But actually, if, if DJs are watching this and if they're really struggling mentally, then they should DM me and I'll hook you up with an uh, invite. <laughs> the, 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 the DJs with mental problems, uh, Zoom meetings groups. That's there's, like a, there's an English group and there's a Dutch group. Um, yeah. So so no. So 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 so, yeah, so I, like yeah, recently, I discovered after I shared that whole post, and now I'm in this this group. That yeah, there's actually some some other DJs, also mm. big DJs, who are definitely struggling, and it's definitely a, a problem all all across the board. Yeah, just with with creative people in general. Yeah. So yeah, I I I, I really hope that more people are going to be more open about this. And also, of course, last week was very pretty tragic two weeks ago with the news about Piers Fulton. Mm. So, so, so someone I knew per, I knew personally yeah. from, from when I started touring. He was a great person. Uh, and who also yeah, who seemed like a very positive guy. And yeah, he, he killed himself. Mm. And that's wow. really tragic. So It's happened a lot. Yeah. It's happened a lot over the years. And it's something that just doesn't really ever get spoken about. Um it's it's kind of well it's very sad um especially during lockdown and it's happened a few times right we we all know some yeah. people that have that have committed suicide yeah. and it's i don't know how i don't know how it can change i don't know how the industry can cuz being being a artist as as we kind of are, i don't like using that word but being artists as people like we, a lot of us can be very introverted and very stick in a dark room in a dark studio and just stay by our, in there for hours at upon end and kind of always self-analyze absolutely everything mm. a record comes yeah. out it doesn't do well like things in your normal life and aren't going so well it's very easy to kind of put go into this like hole of just negativity really yeah. um but, but i think already or or, or, or to, I think already just by being more, more honest and more open, and yeah, so basically also more vulnerable. Yeah, that actually uh, feels really good. Mm. That, 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 that can actually help a lot. Uh, That's also what, what I've heard from some from some of those other, from, from some of those other DJs who are really struggling, mm. who haven't really gone out like full on uh, public. Yeah, uh, in front of their fans, but who said that it helped them already so much that they could just share, share their stories with other mm. yeah, like-minded people. And Amazing. And so, uh, yeah, I think to, to be being more honest and more open, that can already help a lot. 
No, man, I agree. I agree. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Ollie, thanks for writing the record with me, man. It was great. Um, yeah, yeah. Rainer, thanks for releasing it. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Uh, yeah, thanks so. for releasing it on Filth and Acid. No, uh, thank you for having so, us, yeah, man. It's super thank good. It's, yeah. a, it's a pleasure. Um, keep in touch and hopefully see you guys in a rave sometime soon. Yes. Peace we'll be out, great. guys. Thank we'll you so guys. much. Take it easy. Yes. Thank you very much. See ya. Yeah, we'll see you. Later. And that is a wrap. Absolutely loved that show. Um, it got really quite deep at the end and it was really, really special. I, I really liked that. Um, thank you to both the lads for coming on. Um, if you like that, please share. Please send it to your friends. Um, don't forget to subscribe. Give us a little comment in the comment section. Keep safe. See you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.